Welcome to the Homeschool Show from North Carolinians for Home Education. Our goal is to help you homeschool with confidence and joy. I'm your host, Matthew McDill, and we have once again as our co-host, the original co-host, John Lewis. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. It's good, good to, to be have back. You back, John. Yeah, yeah, man, I'm enjoying this, and we're this is a totally new format, and I'm doing this yeah, from is. my my bedroom. This is pretty cool. <laughs> so, uh, did you have a good holiday time? Yeah, we had a uh, we had a we had a good holiday. We were all sick during the during Christmas, so Uh-oh. we we basically laid around uh, and and were miserable together. <laughs> That's so good. Um, yeah, we had uh, all the kids, all the college kids, and their um, spouses, and the married kids home, and so we had a great great big party. It was fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, what do we got planned today? Uh, well, so today we're going to take a look at the homeschool news first, and then uh, we have the homeschool conversation segment. We're going to listen to another segment that Matthew uh, did with, with Dr. Brian Ray. He's the president of the National Home Education Research Institute, and he's going to answer the question, what does the Bible have to say about whose responsibility and duty it is to care uh, to take care of a child's education is a real mm. important and fundamental question for us. And then we're going to have the wisdom of from the word segment and then homeschool helps with Amanda. Amanda's going to talk about setting priorities in your homeschool and finding your why. So that's what's coming up today. So we're going to start off great. with the homeschool news and uh, in the homeschool news, the first thing we need to let you know about is graduation. Uh, NCHE offers several opportunities uh, to meet your needs uh, uh, for graduation, a distinctive diploma, a statewide graduation ceremony, uh, graduate magazine, and college scholarship opportunities. So you don't want to miss these opportunities uh, to celebrate the occasion. Uh, our graduation ceremony this year is May 25th, 2024. This will be at the culmination of the Thrive Homeschool Conference in Winston-Salem. And the greenhouse graduate issue comes out in May as well. The scholarship applications are due March 30th, and then diplomas are available year-round. So if you want to know more about that, you can visit nche.com slash graduate dash central. And I'm sure the links will be in the show notes. Also, we have a midwinter day of uh, play. A chess tournament that's coming up next week in Kernersville on January 20th. Students are going to play at least four games, and they may have time to play additional pickup games as well. If you want information about that, you can see nche.com slash field trips. So that's what's going on in the homeschool news. Now, you have uh, participated in the NCHE graduation, haven't you? Yes, we did. Uh, we did two years ago. With our oldest, and then this year with our son. Oh, coming up this year. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, we got another one. Cool. All right. So uh, diving into homeschool conversations, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we put on a segment where Dr. Brian Ray from the National Home Education Research Institute and I were discussing a question that I had of how should Christians think about uh, receiving government money for education, for for homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And at, before he answered that question, he said, we really need to take a step back and ask a more fundamental question. 
which was, whose responsibility and duty is it to take care of a child's education? Now, again, this is coming from a Christian perspective. What does the Bible say about this? Um, But I wanted to take that little segment and question out, and we want to share that with you today. So um, have a listen to this, and hopefully it's uh, encouraging and challenging to you. Whose responsibility and duty is it to take care of a child's education? And I just want to invite anybody who's listening or thinking, I mean, I have my conclusions. I've thought about it for a long time, but I say, you have to go to the Word of God to think about it. Uh, But I'm just going to start at the New Testament because a lot of Christians think, oh, the Old Testament, what's that? That's not applicable. And it is harder to sort through sometimes. It's harder to sort through. Yeah, yeah. So, So just very simply and... I don't want to be, you know, accuse me of proof texting. So go read and study yourself. Go read and study yourself. That's, That's right. what I want to say to any man, any woman who's thinking about education. But we know in the New Testament, it says fathers and mothers, raise your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We know in the New Testament, it says men, if you don't provide for your own household, you're worse than an infidel. Okay? Um, we know in the New Testament that it says, do not be unequally yoked. Now, we know a lot of us say, well, that's just about marriage. Well, I, I would ask you to go study. You know, go study it. Study yep. some commentaries. Yep. Might it also apply to close, intimate relationships, like business partners? Might it relate to who do you let do something so important as disciple your children? Uh, I'm just I'm just throwing these out. Uh, another we also know from Jesus. You know it's better to have a millstone hung around your neck and be thrown into the sea than to cause a little one to stumble. Now some people say well, the little one is a spiritually immature Christian. Okay, all right, let's say maybe so. Okay, but which could, includes children. Could it also apply to children? <laughs> but it does apply to children. <laughs> yeah, it, it also applies to children. Don't put stumbling blocks in front of them. So all of these scriptures are out there. And, and I would say not, this is this is scriptural, but it's also like just something to think about. We hear arguments, well, my little child, if I didn't have him with me most of the time, he could be over there somewhere else getting somebody saved. And, and I ask people, hundreds of people, thousands of people, how many of you moms and dads are confident confident by words and fruit that your five-year-old is born again very few parents will say yes then i say now on top of that how many of you are confident that your five-year-old is born again and a strong sturdy christian ready to go out on his or her own into the world to evangelize unbelievers almost nobody will say yes okay old testament old testament we have so many scriptures and in Deuteronomy, dads and moms are told to told to diligently like you can make an argument for Deuteronomy all day long. Mm-hmm. Teach your children things, including the things of God. We have in the Old Testament, do not intimately intermingle so much that you want to marry non believers. We have in the Old Testament, do not covet your neighbor's wife or donkey, or money. 
we have in the Old Testament, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, and the companion of fools suffers harm. So we can easily make an argument, the companion of a bunch of fools becomes foolish. And children are pretty much foolish, especially until they're saved. And even then, sometimes they're foolish, mm -hmm. like, like you and I are sometimes foolish. Mm -hmm. But if children are around fools all the time, and then, oh, by the way, in the New Testament, Jesus told us, if a blind man leads somebody, a blind man, they both fall in a pit. I mean, there's so much in the Bible, because I've, I've had college students who are uh, education majors where I taught, and I've had Christian adults tell me, there's nothing in the Bible about public schools or private schools or homeschooling. There's a lot in the Word of God about all those forms of education. So I would just suggest that if you start with Genesis 1-1 and go all the way to Revelation and ask yourself, whose duty and responsibility is it to be the main educator of children? I know what your answer is going to be. And it's not going to be the state. And it's not going to be a group of unbelievers. And it's not going to be some other things. So that's one thing. That was a long introduction. And that's establishing, but, uh, before that's, we even get yeah, to the... We're not to money yet. Money. So much. We're just establishing whose responsibility is it? Yeah. Jurisdictional. Yeah, question. it's a jurisdiction. It's, and it's not, oh, I decided it's my responsibility. It's God saying, it's your duty. Yeah. It's not your right. In America, we like to talk about rights. I have a right to this. I got a right to the Second Amendment stuff. Yeah, parental I've got a right rights. to speech. I've got <laughs> a parental right. No, God doesn't. God doesn't give you a choice. He says, this is your duty. This is yeah. your command. So I think that's really important. Now, I just said what I believe. I want I want every dad and mom to study this. I want every 19-year-old and 12-year-old to study this. Because that's an important issue. The doctrine of the education of children is a biblical doctrine. I think many pastors, many church leaders, many professors of education, many Christian leaders, they think it's weird when I say that. There is a doctrine in the Bible on the education of children. There's doctrine. So, John, how much trouble do you think uh, we're going to get into for that? <laughs> for that little segment there, I, huh? <laughs> it, I, I don't know. It depends on who's watching. I know you and I probably are, are are pretty similar in our view on this. I think we both come from a kind of a complementarian standpoint um, theologically. Uh, I find it very interesting that Dr. Ray points out a lot of passages that that really call out fathers um, mm -hmm. more than just parents. They call out fathers specifically, and I think a lot of times dads don't see themselves as as being involved as much in the homeschool process. It seems like to me. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I do think that's changing. I, I see a lot of parents really feeling like both are involved. Um, but traditionally and currently, I don't, I don't know that dads necessarily sense or receive their responsibility from God to mm -hmm. be a leader of their home and to take on that, that responsibility. So I, I think that's certainly a, a needed message. Yeah. I do think though, that homeschool dads probably are more so likely to sense that responsibility than maybe mm -hmm. the general populace, um, even within the church. The reason I feel that way is because I'm, I'm pretty sure that, um, 
homeschooling families that that uh, families where the mom wants to homeschool and the dad isn't interested usually don't stick with it. It seems like in my experience, I don't have stats for that, but um, I think the mm -hmm. both parents being bought into uh, the idea of homeschooling and having a conviction about doing it is, right. is really important for the longevity of homeschool success. Right. You know, I'm backing up just a minute with my question of, you know, how much trouble are we going to get into here? And you <laughs> said, of course, it depends on who's listening. And yeah. um, I just want to acknowledge a couple of things. First of all, uh, one of our most important values with NCAG is that we serve all homeschoolers. So it doesn't make mm -hmm. it doesn't make any difference uh, what a person's faith value is or worldview or anything. Uh, we're going to do everything we can to give you the information and encouragement you need. We're going to protect your rights to homeschool in North Carolina. Um, but one of our other values is biblical Christianity and helping parents disciple their kids. And so uh, if you're listening to this and that's not your worldview, we'd like to uh, to commend it to you uh, to to know God, to search the scriptures. Um, but please know that that's the con that's the perspective that we're coming from. And um, I do think this is really encouraging because a lot of parents who would say they are Christians um, are coming into the homeschool context with a lot of different reasons why. And so yeah. one of the reasons I think that a conversation like this is important is it is good for us as believers to have a biblical foundation. Why are we doing what we're doing? Um, it's not just because, oh, I just happen to choose to. It's I have a responsibility and this is based on what I believe God is calling me to do. So I think this is really right. helpful uh, for a foundational uh, idea of homeschooling from a faith perspective. Absolutely. I, I And I appreciate you bringing that up because one of the things I thought as we were listening to Dr. Ray is about that word duty. And he mentioned duty versus rights and, and responsibility. And, I, and the thought hit me that, you know, if you were hired to do a job and you didn't do it, there would be a, a reckoning, right? There'd be a moment where it, you would either uh, not get paid uh, because you didn't do the work or you would lose your job and not get paid further. Um, likewise, I think that we tend to miss the fact in our thinking about uh, schooling um, that uh, this is a responsibility that God's put on us, whether we asked for it or not. Uh, in being parents, this is our responsibility and, mm. to disciple our kids. And there will be a day that w there's an answer. There's wages, right, that will be paid back. We'll give an answer and an account for mm. whether or not we did the job we were tasked with. And um, But that's not a, that doesn't happen as immediately as a paycheck and a job, right? Yeah. But there's still, but there's still a moment when that happens. And so understanding that we stand before the Lord one day and give account for how we raised our kids and how we encouraged them in the faith mm. and uh, how we develop them is a really important part of this. Yeah, that's a great point for sure. All right, now it's time for some wisdom from the word. I wonder if you remember uh, the Bible story where Jesus is walking along uh, the road and he becomes hungry. And so he sees a tree, a fig tree off in the distance and walks over to it to see if there's any fruit on it. And if you remember, he walks up to it and 
does not see any fruit and curses the tree and the tree withers. Now, Jesus wasn't really worried about the tree. He was trying to make a point uh, about people and about fruit. We know he's looking for fruit in people, or he uses that same analogy uh, from John 15, where he says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So he's looking for fruit. But here's the question. What is fruit? What is Jesus looking for? And it's kind of an uncomfortable thought uh, for Jesus to walk up to us and inspect our lives looking for fruit. And for us to think, what's he going to find in my life? But back to the big question is, what is fruit? What is it that he's looking for? I'd like to turn to Colossians uh, chapter 1 uh, to find uh, an answer. And Paul is praying for the Colossians, and he says, From this day, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And then verse 10, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, and here's the definition, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Uh, we also know from Galatians 5 what the fruit of the Spirit is. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the things that God's looking for. We might sum all of that up into good works or maybe righteousness, uh, doing what is right and pleasing in the sight of the Lord. Now, what's interesting about this um, is, first of all, if we don't know Jesus, then we cannot have righteousness. Uh, we see this as we go back to John 15, where he says, Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. So question number one for all of us is, are we connected to the vine? And first of all, that means knowing and believing in the gospel, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, and that he had victory over sin and death by his resurrection. And we know that he paid the penalty for our sin when he did that. When we place our faith in Christ for salvation, uh, we can be connected to the vine. And then he says, stay in me, stay in the vine. Um, but sometimes, even as Christians, we have a hard time talking about righteousness and having a righteous standard because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And honestly, we feel still, even as believers, like we can't do it. Uh, we're not very good at it. But I want um, us to really meditate on this. Jesus is looking for fruit, for righteousness in our lives. And the good news is he's the one uh, who's able to help us do it. Uh, as we head into the new year, uh, it's something to think about. What is my standard? What is my goal? What am I living for? What am I teaching my children uh, to live for? What are their standards of right and wrong and morality? Do they come from Scripture? Uh, do they come from Jesus? Um, this is something that uh, we can be praying and thinking about. I'd like to spend a little more time in some of the next segments 
on John 15 because he explains to us how we can grow in righteousness. And so we're going to look at that. But right now, uh, we just set our hearts and minds on knowing that Jesus can and will produce righteousness in our lives if we'll stick with him and abide in him and uh, know that that's the fruit that he's looking for. Welcome to Homeschool Helps with Amanda. I'm Amanda Wares, Homeschool Helps Director within CHE. Today we are going to talk about setting priorities in your homeschool or finding your why. So this time of year, you know, it's dreary outside, the holidays are over, it seems like a really long time until spring break or until the school year's over, and it can be easy to lose sight of why we're doing this. It can get, it can feel like drudgery. It can start to feel, um, you know, overwhelming or you might feel a little burnout. I have found the best way to combat those feelings is to remember your why. Why are you doing this? And along with remembering your why, that leads right into setting what are your real priorities in your homeschool. And I would, after 19 years of doing this, I would challenge you to really think about what those priorities ought to be. After I have graduated three kids now and I have one left to go for several years, um, my priorities in my homeschool look different than they did when I started all those years ago. At that point, I think I had a lot of little kids and my priorities were probably to survive and get to the end of the day with no one injured or um, screaming or, and maybe we have learned something by the end of the day. Those were my priorities at that point. And if you're in that survival mode, that is okay really, we have been there. We have done that. But I would challenge you to try really hard to think beyond just survival and think about at the end of this homeschool journey with that child, with your children, what do you want to have accomplished? What do you want your homeschool journey to have um, accomplished by the end of that. And I would say for me, the priority of relationship is really high up there. The priority of discipleship in my home, that's a huge priority. And honestly, academics doesn't come at the top of those priority lists. Yes, the academics come. Yes, we still do math and history and science and all those things in my house um, every day. We still do those academics. I'm not saying not to do that. But what I am saying is if your why, if your motivation, if your highest priority is just get the lessons done, then the, the doldrums 
of this time of year will be even heavier. It will be even harder to remember, why are we doing this? You know, because academics can happen other places. Academics can get done, but you, the relationships within your family, the relationships between siblings, the relationship between you and your child. Um, and that can only happen in your home. And the opportunity that homeschool gives you to foster and nurture and grow those relationships, that doesn't exist anywhere else. It really doesn't. And the day in and day out opportunities for discipleship, that also doesn't exist anywhere else. So I would encourage you, at, especially at this time of year, think about what are your long range priorities in your homeschool? And what, what do you want at the end of the journey when you're where I am right now with most of your kids grown and gone? And um, what do you want to look back and say, you know, do you want to say, oh, we did math every single day? Maybe, maybe. But I promise you that when you look back 20 years down the road, that math lesson, that phonics lesson that you were so frustrated over, it's going to fade into maybe not so important. And the things that will last as priorities are probably not those academics. So think about that. Um, I hope it will encourage you. Even on those days when survival is the goal, I hope it will help. So have a great day, guys. All right. Well, thanks for joining us again this week. We'd love to hear from you. So uh, if you don't mind, send your questions and your feedback to the homeschool show at nche.com. And uh, please tell other people about the show. If you think it's going to be helpful for them, encourage other homeschool families and, and share the links. Until next week, continue to homeschool with confidence and joy. <laughs>